First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 657 of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast, and it is election day in the United States of America today, and it's a big one. It is the midterms, and I have the honor of being joined by Senator Ted Cruz on the podcast today. Ted Cruz was elected as a United States Senator in Texas and has been serving since 2013. He is the first ever Hispanic American to serve as a U.S. Senator in Texas. He graduated from Princeton University and Harvard Law School. He ran for president back in 2016, finishing second behind Donald Trump. And I did have the honor of interviewing Senator Ted Cruz's father, Rafael Cruz, right here on the podcast last year. And what an emotional time it was for him, after everything that his family has been through, to watch his son Ted become a United States senator. I asked him about it on the podcast, and Rafael Cruz said this about his son becoming a United States senator. Well, you know, I remember when he was being sworn in, I was in the, on the bleachers in the Senate watching it. And I couldn't contain the tears from my eyes, thinking about how just in 1957, when I had came out of Cuba after being in prison and torture and escaping that oppressive regime to come to the freedom of America. And I came with nothing. I couldn't even speak a word of English. Worked as a dishwasher and then as a cook to pay my way through school. And to see now my son within one generation being sworn in as a U.S. senator, what came to my heart and my mind was only in America. Only in America. What an amazing father-son experience for sure that had to be. Now, obviously, we know the political atmosphere is on fire in this country, and there are so many issues that are facing the parents of this country. Me and Senator Cruz are going to talk about all of them. I hope you guys will get out there and exercise your right to vote. As always, there is a lot on the line. I'm honored to have Senator Ted Cruz with me here on the podcast today to talk about it all. Senator Cruz will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And I don't know about you guys, but one of the top issues on my mind is the inflation. The prices have gone through the roof. We know with the gas prices, the whole bit. I do the food shopping every week for the family here, and the price at the grocery store has almost doubled. Everything is a lot more expensive, and that's going to make Christmas shopping even that much harder this year to do. But... You're in luck. MyPillow.com has got their biggest ever. They have overstocked prices going on over there right now. You guys know I've had Mike Lindell right here on the podcast. There's a good chance we may see Mike back on Twitter now that Elon Musk took over. But Mike is overstocked on MyPillow.com, and he is passing those savings on to you. And you guys listening in on the podcast can save up to 66% on your order at MyPillow.com by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. The price on the MyPillow itself is the lowest it's ever been. The prices on the 6 piece towel set lowest it's ever been you guys know i love the mattress topper my favorite item from my pillow but you got to check out the slippers the bathrobes the whole bit everything over there is on sale and you could save even more by using the coupon code fatherhood visit mypillow.com use the promo code fatherhood at the checkout you're going to save up to 66 percent on your entire order and you can get your christmas shopping done early and give the gift of my pillow this christmas season 
Make sure you guys bring it right back to the podcast tomorrow. I have the honor of being joined by Gold Star Father George Monsoor. George Monsoor's son, Mike, was a United States Navy SEAL frogman who sacrificed his life by jumping on a grenade in Iraq to save his Navy SEAL teammates. Mike Monsoor was awarded the Medal of Honor posthumously. His father and his mother received it on his behalf. George is one of several Gold Star dads I've had the absolute honor of speaking with here on the podcast. It always brings me chills. I am so grateful that we live in a nation that has produced such warriors as Mike Monsoor. His father, George Monsoor, will be here with me tomorrow on the podcast. He is a veteran himself of the United States Marine Corps. And then later on this week, on Friday, on Veterans Day itself, I will be joined here by Army veteran Travis Mills, who lost both arms and both legs as he fought for the freedom of the United States of America. So make sure you lock it into my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, for all the upcoming guest announcements. And please help me spread the word about the podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here we go, straight up, my interview with Senator Ted Cruz on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Senator Ted Cruz. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Alec, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Uh, I've got two kids, two daughters. One is 14, and the other just turned 12 last week. Very cool. Yeah, it took my wife and I four tries. We got three boys and finally got the girl to complete the family <laughs> on our end over here. Well, that uh, w- well done on that. I, I, I will say we don't we don't have boys, but at least with with girls, there is there is drama in the house with some regularity. Yeah, my, my, my daughter's eight, so we're finding that out pretty soon here. So um, if you could take me back then to the beginning of your fatherhood journey then, Senator, how old were you when you first became a dad and uh, how did that experience change your perspective on life? Well, I was I was 37 uh, when Caroline was born, our eldest daughter, and it was something I'd been looking forward to my entire life. I, I am very close to, to my dad and both my parents, uh, and, and Heidi and I had been married seven years. We decided to wait a little while before having kids, and, and Caroline was born uh, in uh, 14 years ago, and then two and a half years later, Catherine came along as our, as our youngest. Uh, and the two are as, as different as, as two people could be. Uh, Catherine, the youngest, is a jock. She's into softball and gymnastics and dancing and basketball. Um, Caroline is, is an actress. She's an actress and singer. She's much more, uh, much more into creative performing. And, and, and the two, Catherine's more of an extrovert. Caroline's more of an introvert. Um, and, and they, they both have been and remain an incredible journey together. Yeah, right on with that. Yeah, my, all our four kids couldn't be more different, uh, as well there. And I know you, I know your dad's a first class father as well. I had the honor of doing an interview with him last year and he was firing biblical verses at me left and right during our conversation. So I know he's somebody that's very uh, deep into his faith. I know he instilled that in you growing up. How important is faith in, in, in as far as uh, bringing up your daughters, and what are some of the top values you hope to instill in them growing up? Well, I think faith is is tremendously important, and uh, I, I am blessed to have been raised in a Christian home, and, and we're raising the girls in a Christian home. Uh, you know, for me, it it uh, faith played a part literally in in my having a father in the home, which is when when I was a little kid, when I was three years old, neither of my parents were Christians, and my father was drinking quite a bit, and he left us. He abandoned my mother and me, 
and uh, he we were living up in Calgary in Canada and uh, in the oil and gas business and my father left and came back to Texas came back to Houston and a colleague of his from the oil and gas business invited him to come to church invited him to Clay Road Baptist Church and he became a Christian he gave his life to Jesus and that transformed his life and he went and bought an airplane ticket and he got on a plane and he flew back to Calgary to my mother and me and it is literally why I was not raised by a single mother that 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 friend of my father's invited him to church and 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 he gave his life to Jesus um my mom subsequently became a Christian as well and I was raised in a strong Christian household um and now with our girls that that faith is something we try to have as a very important part uh, of the house. I, I will say one of the great blessings, ironically, of COVID, there were many horrible things about the COVID pandemic and the policies that came out of it. But one of the blessings, at least in our family, was we spent so much more time as a family together. And to be honest, if you were to prescribe what our family needed more than anything, to literally cancel my entire schedule, cancel Heidi's entire schedule, cancel our kids' entire schedules and put us all in the house together for months after months after months. You couldn't have imagined actually doing that, but we ended up spending, we would have lunches and dinners together with a regularity we had never had before. We began uh, together as a family reading the Bible every night and, and, and reading through the the, the, the the entire New Testament together and and doing nightly devotions, which we had done before, But but I will say the pandemic because we were all physically together and I wasn't off in D.C. and Heidi was not off working, it, it put us in a position where as a family we could grow a lot closer together, and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Senator, so many dads that I've interviewed over the last two years have testified to that same silver lining that, that hit all of us during the pandemic. We were able to really focus on what matters. And I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict, uh, you know, like your father there, and I, I know that's a, that's a huge uh, deal with so many young dads that are battling uh, with alcoholism, with drug use out there, and there, a lot of them are estranged from their kids. And uh, uh, thankfully, that your father was able to come back into focus. But I harp on this show all the time, Senator, about the fatherless crisis that we do have going on yes. in our country. There's so many kids are growing up without a father in the home. And in my opinion, it's the number one social issue we have. I had Governor DeSantis on the podcast here shortly after he passed the fatherhood bill down in Florida. And I pray to God more states will do that. But what can be done, Senator, from a legislative standpoint here to really attack and, sh and start strengthening the nuclear family units in this country again? Well, I think one of the things we can do is not have public policies in place that, that tear the family apart, not have, for example, a, a penalty on marriage, not have tax laws penalize getting married, not have a, a incentive in our welfare laws for for someone being a single mom. That the, the single best predictor of whether a child will will be successful in life is whether they're raised in in, in a household uh, by by a mom and a dad, by a loving loving parents. Uh, that that is the greatest piece that can put you on a path to success. Now. It's not the only way. I, in my family, uh, we have a number of, of single moms who were in my family. My sister was a single mom. Uh, my cousin was a single mom. My aunt was a, cousin, a single mom. My other aunt was a single mom. And so we have, th there are single moms who are strong and, and, and are anchors for their kids. 
but it is much, much better for a kid, if, if, if possible, to have a strong mom and dad in their family. And, and, and that's something that we need to not have public policies pulling families apart. And we need to also not have a cultural war on, on families that are tearing down fathers, that are tearing down what it means to be a father. I, I think the family should be central in decision making. Uh, we see battles right now in elections across the country where um, th- there are politicians who argue argue that it is the school board and the schools who get to decide what's taught to the kids, not the parents. And I think the parents should have the primary role of making the decisions for their kids about how to raise them and, and what they should be taught. I, I couldn't agree more, Senator. And, and I never, I always make the stipulation to say it's never to take anything away from single moms that are working miracles out there. And many single moms say, hey, I don't need a man in my life. And that may be true, but your children do. And that's why having a father figure, I mean, you were blessed to not only have your father come back, but he brought the Heavenly Father with him. And I think if we could get the Heavenly Father back in our society, that one-two punch of having a father figure and and the Lord back in our life, man, I think 90% of the issues we're seeing across the country uh, would evaporate pretty quickly here. And and you mentioned there, too, obviously, I'm going to put this out here on Election Day. Midterms are all the talk right now. And just as a father of four with six mouths to feed, the number one issue for me, I'm a railroad mechanic. I, I've been doing that for more than two decades. And the the bill at the grocery store is, is as our uh, press secretary would say, top of mind when I'm thinking about the midterms here, and it's the, sure. it's the number one issue for me. You've just been traveling the country, talking to all these different constituents, all these voters, what is the parents' number one concern? What are you hearing over and over again on the road out there from these different states? What are the parents concerned about with this midterm election? Well, what you're facing is exactly what people are facing all across the country. I, I've spent the last month on a nationwide 17-state bus tour, and, and I'm not on the ballot this cycle, so I'm spending all my time helping others and, and campaigning for candidates for the Senate, for the House, for governorships. And, and I think this election is going to be a – huge change election. I think Republicans are going to retake the majority in both the House and Senate. And if you look nationally at at what the top concerns are, the number one concern in the country is what you just cited, inflation, in particular the cost of gas. And and that is hurting people as you fill up your truck or your car or your minivan. It's making it harder and harder to make ends meet, whether it's putting food on the table or paying rent or paying your mortgage or paying health care. The cost of everything has gone up. The the number two concern in the country nationally is crime and the skyrocketing murder rates, carjacking rates. People feel uh, very uh, threatened in their homes. And I think it is a result of misguided policies from Democrats that have undermined police officers, that have sought to defund or abolish the police, from George Soros DAs who, who are releasing violent criminals into our neighborhoods. And, and when you release violent criminals into a community, you get more violent crime. And, and the number three issue in the country is illegal immigration and the chaos at our southern border. 4.7 million illegal immigrants have crossed the border illegally under Joe Biden. It is the worst it has ever been in the history of our country. And I think the result of all three of those is is people are ready to change the course we're on. And I think this election on Tuesday is going to be a major wave election on the order of magnitude of what 2010 was. Yeah, and and even so, one of the things you said there earlier about the school board meeting, and a lot of these school boards want the parents to be out when it comes to the conversation about what should be taught. I'm here in the communist state of New Jersey where they're pushing 
sexual orientation, uh, yep. gender identity on kindergarten, first and second grade kids. And I, I have not found a parent yet, Senator, that agrees that adults should be sitting down with kindergartners and talking to them about sexual orientation. I only see these people on TV. Uh, I, I can't imagine that there's parents that are, are pushing for this. What are you hearing about that topic when you talk to parents around the country? People are really frustrated by the radicalization uh, of our schools and, and the garbage that's being taught to kids. You know, you, you, you mentioned Florida, and, and Florida passed a bill that was widely characterized in, in the press as the Don't Say Gay bill. What the bill really was, it was the don't say sex bill. For for third grade and below, it was don't talk about sex with kindergartners. Now, I really, I don't want teachers talking to kindergartners about sex. Gay sex is straight sex. I want them playing with blocks and learning to count and learning reading and writing. And and it is it is a bizarre shift that that, that you've got these these radical partisans that believe their job is to indoctrinate kids you know, I've got a brand new book that just came out called Justice Corrupted, How the Left Has Weaponized the Legal System. And, and the, the book begins actually on exactly this topic. It begins in Loudoun County, Virginia. And in Loudoun County, Virginia, as you know, uh, there was a, a, a young girl, a 15-year-old girl, who was sexually assaulted in the bathroom, in the girl's bathroom at school, by a boy wearing a skirt. And the school, because they put politics and ideology above caring for their students, denied it happened, pretended it never occurred. In fact, they transferred the assailant to another school, and that boy proceeded to sexually assault another little girl. Well, at the school board meeting, the parents went, and they were understandably very upset. And the school board insisted, no, it has never happened. No boy in a skirt has ever assaulted a girl at any of our schools. And, and the father stood up and said, look, my daughter was raped at your school, and you're, you're lying about it and covering it up. And their response was to throw him to the ground, to handcuff him, to arrest the father for standing up for his daughter. And subsequent to that, Joe Biden's attorney general, Merrick Garland, sent a formal memo to the FBI directing the FBI to target parents, target moms and dads, who speak up at school boards as domestic terrorists to use the Patriot Act to go after parents speaking up at school boards. It is an abuse of power, and, and it's what my new book, Justice Corrupted, talks about, is, is how this administration and the Obama administration before it politicized and weaponized the Department of Justice and the FBI and the IRS, and they're using it to attack their political enemies. Yeah, and I remember the story, uh, Senator, and I think, I think all dads' hearts across the country went out to that father. I can't imagine being in his shoes. I know in your book, Justice Corrupted, you also have a chapter. I just have a, a copy of it here myself, and uh, I know you have a chapter focused on critical race theory, and I know much of that has to do with uh, the Supreme Court Justice Brown, who was the first black woman uh, confirmed to the Supreme Court, despite not even knowing what a woman is. Uh, but, but a part of this critical race theory is, is another thing that's being forced uh, to these kids uh, in, in the lower grade school level where they're telling you one race is uh, uh, superior to the other race and one is a victim. And it's like, I cannot imagine parents anywhere wanting this to be just pushed onto their kids with this type of uh, ideology. Well, Alec, that's, that's exactly right. So, so in the book, Justice Corrupted, I walk people through where critical race theory came from. A lot of folks are like, okay, where did this nonsense, like, like what was the source of it? And, and unfortunately, the source of it was, was the school that I went to law school, Harvard Law School, and actually 
the new Supreme Court Justice, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, was a year behind me in law school. And so we were both on the law review together. We knew each other uh, at, at the time. And, and where critical race theory came from is, is it is explicitly Marxist. And if you look at what Karl Marx, the father of communism, wrote, he, he divided the world in, on socioeconomic grounds. And, and he said that there's an irreconcilable conflict between the owners of capital and the workers. And the only solution is to have a revolution of the workers, a revolution of the proletariat to overthrow the owners of capital and to forcibly redistribute wealth across the socioeconomic classes. Well, what critical race theory did is it was a series of Marxist professors at Harvard Law School that, that shifted it and, and used the same frame, but instead of dividing us based on socioeconomic lines, they divide us based on race. And, and what they argue is that America is fundamentally and irredeemably racist, that, that all white people are racist, and that every dispute in, in America is a dispute between the races, and the only solution is not equality, is not treating people fairly and equally regardless of their race, but rather what they call equity. And equity is a code word for actively discriminating against the people they don't like, and, and for teaching kids, and, and they, they've infiltrated the classrooms where they teach kids, that, that, that they teach white kids that, that you have white privilege and you're an oppressor. They teach black kids you're a victim. Those are lies. They, they are corrosive lies. They set us against each other. And the book, Justice Corrupted, I walk through the, 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 the teachings that they're pouring into the, the kids and just how poisonous it is. And part of the purpose of that is to arm parents to go to your school board and to stop this garbage from being taught to our kids because it is enormously, enormously harmful. Yeah, well said. Yeah, Justice Corrupted, I'm going to put the link to the book in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can get out there and listen to it. Let me bring it back to you as a dad for a second here, Senator. Tell me what you enjoy most about being a girl dad. Well, lots of things, but I will tell you a particularly wonderful aspect is is actually we're in the baseball season, and and my youngest daughter, Catherine, I told you she's a softball player, and in 2017, the Houston Astros went to the World Series, and I, I took her to Game 5 of the World Series, and that was the game, if you remember, that went till 1, 1.30 in the morning, hmm. and it was the day after Catherine's eighth birthday. And the two of us went together, and that, that was an amazing. We were dancing and celebrating. And I told her then, I said, Catherine, you, you don't fully appreciate this now, but you will tell your grandkids you were here tonight because you just witnessed the greatest game in Houston Astros history. And that started in 2017, and it's been an amazing run where the Astros have been uh, in the ALCS six years in a row. And so I've taken Catherine every year, and it's become a daddy-daughter thing that she and I go together. Um, and so we're going to go to Game 6 uh, of the World Series on Saturday uh, with the Phillies, and it's become she's now 12, and we've, been, we've done this journey together. And I, I don't know that there's anything I enjoy more than, than celebrating at a baseball game with Catherine. Yeah, right. I, I love that, Senator. And, and it's another thing that drives another thing that drives me nuts in this country is it seems like patriotism has become so looked down upon by so many people in our country. And I know when I spoke to your dad last year, 
uh, obviously so proud of everything that you've accomplished. We were talking about in high school, you were part of the Free Enterprise Institute, that you memorized the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. You were given, like, I don't know, something like 80 speeches throughout your high school career. Uh, is, is this something uh, that your daughters uh, have gotten into? Are they following in the footsteps? How do you go about teaching your kids about patriotism, and is it something that they're uh, very much into as well? You know, it's something certainly that they've grown up with. I, I will say it is hard with a dad in politics. Um, my girls were two and four when I was elected, and and so they li- they've lived their whole lives in the public eye. That's really hard for a kid, and 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 it, it it's it's frankly, Alex, the, the the worst part of serving in public office. If I could eliminate one part of it, that's what it would be, because they didn't make an affirmative choice to do this. I did. But but they didn't have a, a vote in the matter, and and it's difficult for a 12 year old or 14 year old that that when you go in and you meet other kids, that all of the bitterness and nastiness of politics that's playing out in in our country broadly gets projected on kids, and and kids can be mean, and and it's uh, that component is really tough. So they've grown up doing it. Like for example, both of them went to every presidential debate in 2016. Um, and, you know, they would sit on Melania Trump's lap during the debates. I mean, they'd been, they, they would uh, lay on the floor uh, in the room while we were doing debate prep sessions. They've, they've been to all 50 states campaigning. So they've, they've seen a different world, but it's also, if there were anything I could protect them from, it would be having to, to, to have, have the ugliness of politics in today's world thrust upon them. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. It's a vicious, vicious cycle. Just uh, right now, I think it's it, it's never been at this level. I don't think in our in our history. It's just so yeah. uh, terrible. But uh, I'm running up against the clock here, Senator. Uh, last thing I want to hit you with. Uh, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? You know, I would say. Almost all kids spell love as a four-letter word, T-I-M-E, and there is no substitute for just spending time with your kids. And, and it's, it's hard to do trying to make it personal, real, trying to find something, you know, that just you're doing with them. And, and I'd say related to that, remember it's not about you. It, it is about their joys and their passions and that's hard to do kids are uh you know kids can be all over the place but it is uh there's nothing in life more important or more rewarding than 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 raising a kid and loving a kid and you know you were talking about as a christian look as as fathers we are instructed by the word to 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 reflect God's love for us in how we love our kids and and that's you want to talk about an awesome responsibility to to interact with your children with the same love and and care and and wisdom uh, that God almighty has to all of us as his children that is uh none of us obviously will ever achieve that but it is an amazing model of love to try to emulate and, and, and to try to illustrate to your children. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. i got to say, Senator Ted Cruz, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, Alex. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you for speaking up for dads, and thank you for speaking up for the kids who desperately need their dads.
You bet. Thank you. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.